Hey, how you doing? This is Wade with Wade for Wireless. And welcome back for another episode of Wade for Wireless with all your wireless updates, news, and information. Just sit back and relax. Let's talk about deploying small cells in a 5G network. Deploying the 5G small cells. I have a lot of questions here, like how do you deploy? How do you install? How do you plan for something like that? And these are all good questions, which I'm going to answer as soon as I think Tower Tracker Pro, towertrackerpro.com. Just type that in, towertrackerpro.com, or I have the links at Wade4Wireless, Wade, W-A-D-E, the number four, wireless.com. Tower Tracker Pro takes care of all your closeout package needs when you want to get it done right the first time. You want your tower crew at the site. Tower Tracker Pro is the app that is in their smartphone, so they don't have to take any special equipment up. It'll walk them through step by step the data they have to enter and the pictures they have to take. And before they leave the site, bam, send the pictures back to the office. Quality control, get it done right the first time before they leave the site to see if they missed anything or if they have to retake any pictures. I also want to thank Tower Safety and Instruction. Kathy Brand runs a fine school in Arizona, which is a state-accredited school for training of tower safety, rescue, of OSHA, and everything you need, including drone training. They do have drone training. So if you want to reach out to Kathy, just get on towersafety.com. All one word. Easy to spell, towersafety.com. I also want to support the Hubble Foundation and the Tower Family Foundation for all the work they do for the fallen climbers. HubbleFoundation.org and TowerFamilyFoundation.org. I know they're long, but it's for a good cause. Tower climbers die every year. We probably lost five or six this year so far. And not only that, but many more, tens more, you know, there's probably 20 or 30 that got injured this year that can't work again in the tower industry or they're laid up for a really long time and the families suffer. All right, let's move on. One more thing, wireless deployment handbook. Yes, I'm selling the wireless deployment handbook on sale now. Go to wadeforwireless.com and look for products by Wade. The links are in there. If you need any more, just let me know. Let's get back to deploying 5G small cells. I want you to think about this. Probably the installation of the small cell, just the way you're going to go about small cell, the engineering and everything, the way it's going to be deployed, it's probably really going to be the same things as small cells we have today. However, what about planning for the small cell deployment? That's going to be a lot different because you're going to have so many more options that you just didn't have before. And also, I'm going to let you know how you can play a part in the 5G expansion. So what I'm here to talk about, when we say 5G right now, we're really talking about the format that's going to be in the millimeter wave band, in the millimeter wave spectrum. That's what we're really talking about because we're short in the spectrum that we have now it's going to be some type of LTE. LTE is really going to be the foundation for 5G, at least from our perspective at this point. It could be LTE, it could be LTE advanced, it could be evolved LTE. You know, we have to wait to see how this is all going to play out, okay? So with the coming of 5G, obviously HetNets, HetNet, HetNet, heterogeneous network. It's going to be the pieces and parts of all the other networks that are going to look like one big network. And what we mean by that, the small cell looks like a little network, is going to be pretty much seen as the same as a macro cell. We're going to just drift from, not drift, but we're basically going to roam from one to the other. Don't worry, we won't get roaming charges, at least I hope not. But also Wi-Fi, that's another thing. Like when you have your smartphone in your home, you really rely on Wi-Fi and your smartphone goes right to Wi-Fi, gets off the license spectrum, 
You got better coverage in your house with Wi-Fi and chances are you use it for data. Like those really important things like to check the updates or scores, to get your horoscope, to uh, figure out what your calendar is for the day. I make light of it, but you know, we do rely on our smartphone for a lot more than we ever did for anything earlier is the way I look at it. So when you're looking at that though, Wi-Fi is not so friendly to LTE. That's why LTEU is going to play a big part in the carrier's 5G plans. Because if they can get LTEU to work reliably and get it in every device, we're going to really count on that to move ahead for this. Because that's a handoff from the license spectrum that we can really use quickly and easily. And that's how you can play your part in the 5G network. You can start building out LTEU. For those of you that don't know, LTEU is unlicensed LTE that will be used in the ISM band, the same band that Wi-Fi is used in now, specifically 5.8 gigahertz is what we're looking at. So there's a lot of options there. There's a lot of things we can do to make things move ahead faster. And LTEU is very exciting to me because then what the carriers are looking forward to is you hand off from LTE license spectrum to the unlicensed spectrum with no problem at all. So it's really going to work well. So just think of LTEU as an extension. That's what we're looking at. It's something that you can do, play a part, and I would imagine someday the carriers are gonna find a way to hand off to a private network. Now, I know at home, we all have Wi-Fi. We're happy with Wi-Fi. Just keep your Wi-Fi. Don't go out changing that. But if you have an enterprise, you currently have Wi-Fi. Once devices have LTEU in them, you might want to think about LTEU just for the handoff from the carrier into your business. I think it'll be more effective to handoff anyway. I know I'm getting ahead of myself here. That's what I'm saying. LTEU is how you can really put it in your enterprise and make a difference and the carriers can handoff and hopefully it'll be in the devices soon. It could be a game changer. Let's get back to 5G. Now, 5G, we looked at millimeter wave. And what we want to look at, I know Verizon and AT&T have really made a lot of public progress, you know, that we are aware of. And Verizon went so far as to set a standard. I have the link in there, wadeforwireless.com. The other thing, though, I don't want to take anything away from T-Mobile because they've tested 5G with Nokia just last month. You can read about it. I have the link in there. And they've actually made inroads with testing with it, which is pretty cool. You know, T-Mobile's keeping up with the big boys. So first off, what, what's a 5G small cell? That's a real question. I mean, we have the LTE small cells now, and it's very simple to see what a small cell is. When we look at this, let's think of 5G as a millimeter wave. So when we think of 5G, like I said, we're going to think of millimeter wave. And basically what I want you to think of is 28 gigahertz and up. Because here in the States, they've been testing a lot with 28 gigahertz. Still a hat net, considering that licensed and unlicensed spectrum will be used. LTEU and Wi-Fi will play a part. We need all the spectrum we can get. So keep that in mind when you're focused on the 5G small cell. Now, like I said, the carrier's been testing the 5G small cells in the 28 gigahertz spectrum here in the States. They are currently testing it here in the USA, 28 gigahertz, because there's a lot of spectrum available there. The FCC approved it, so let it be done. The FCC approved it, so let it be done. That's where most of the carriers have been testing the equipment. Nokia, Ericsson, even Samsung, everybody's testing. And that's what I want to talk about today is specifically small cells in that band, because things are going to be a little different than the small cells you see now. Now, you're used to most small cells being integrated with the antenna, which is good because at that spectrum, we ha will have no choice. I don't see us running cables between a radio head and the antenna. It's just not feasible. You can do it. You can buy cables for that but it's super high loss. And to be honest with you, most carriers don't like that model. They want to run it to their antenna. They want complete control. I think of Verizon specifically, they like to have complete control because when small cells first came out, the antennas were integrated and the carriers were not fond of that. They, they wanted a separate antenna 
they want to use their own antennas, their own specifications. They, they didn't want to use what the OEMs offered. The carriers definitely like using their own antennas. That's just the way it was. So now what you're going to see is everything integrated in one unit. Now for indoors, I don't think it'll be such a big stretch, such a bad idea because you're talking very low power. You'll have the, the unit integrated to the antenna and you'll probably just put it in there. So what's going to be different with a small cell like we do it today indoors? Probably not much. Now outdoors, there is probably going to be a little different because when you have everything together as one unit, like I said, most of the carriers didn't like that except T-Mobile. T-Mobile liked that idea of the integrated antenna. The other carriers didn't for a lot of reasons. They liked their own antennas. But the other thing they constantly do is update the radio heads. They upgrade the radio heads. They add spectrum. They put combiners in. They like to use one antenna for more bands. Well, they're going to have to figure out a way to do that here, I think, with everything integrated. But for right now, it's going to be integrated. For all you guys that work on these this equipment, if they do come out with new cabling, it's going to be completely different cabling. I can't imagine you'd make it for that range. You would just buy it pre-assembled, and it's going to be high loss. So when you do the engineering for systems like this, if it's an external antenna, calculate the loss in your cable. I would imagine it's going to be much higher than even, say, at 5.8, much higher than that. What I'm going to picture here for this argument's sake, let's say for this scenario, is going to be the radio head and the antenna in one unit. That's how we're going to look at it. It's going to be heavier. It's going to be a little more effort to deploy. It's going to be more weight at the end of the tower mount instead of like now they put most of the radio heads in a little bit. Not always. Usually they put them, eh, you know what, that's not true. They put them right in the back of the antenna. But you're going to have all the weight out with the antenna. So when you mount these things, all the weight is going to be there. The good news is everything's integrated. So all you got to do is run fiber and power in your hybrid cable right to the antennas or to the junction box and then run it right to the antenna. It's going to make it a little easier for the small cells. I know I'm getting a little crazy here. Going, on, going, I'm bouncing back and forth. The BBU may be in the one unit. So when you look at this... It'd be like a typical small cell now if you've installed a lot of those, especially for indoors. It's all one unit normally. You just put in one unit, except for Ericsson's dot system where they have the, the I guess they have the BBU in one area and then they just run it to a bunch of radio heads over CAD5. But for the most part, I would really consider that to like today's digital DAS. Today's digital DAS systems are like that. Yeah, the BBU and then you just connect to a bunch of remote radio heads in different spectrum. You could look at it that way. But basically the BBU could be more virtual because they want to go to cloud RAN, even for CRAN systems, you can still do that. But the radio head and the antenna are going to be pretty much combined. And how are they going to do that? How are they going to get more bandwidth through that? Well, there's a lot of different ways. For one, they have a lot more spectrum, a lot more spectrum, especially at 28 gig and at the higher ranges. However, you lose a lot of coverage. I really don't see this being a big play for the macro sites. That's why I say small cells are more likely to use this millimeter wave. But how are they going to make a real difference? MIMO specifically massive MIMO antennas. The antenna is going to make the difference. That's how they're going to get so much spectrum to pass between devices. And also that's how they're going to zero in on each device. Each radio head will have four to 16 connections between the radio head and the antenna. That's a lot more connections than they have even today. Today they have two by four, two by eight. Once they have say four by 16, you know, so many receive, so many transmit. It's going to make a difference. Now your device has to change too. Your device currently has probably a two by one, but with these with these new smart antennas, they can focus in on very small sectors. Even though you have this big antenna, it may have like, I don't know, 16, 32, for all I know, 100 antennas inside of it. And they can focus more and follow the device 
with much more accuracy than they used to. So it's almost like you have a dedicated antenna to your device, even though you may have like 100 devices there. The way the sectors are set up, you're going to have plenty of, plenty of dedicated connections. It's really going to make a difference in the way you get it. And you also have to think that your device will not be connected to just one antenna, but two or three. So with MIMO and with this massive spectrum, they're going to be able to push so much more data back and forth. It's really going to make a difference. I really see it as being amazing. So MIMO can be used on a macro or a small cell. Generally, you hear about it on the um, macro sites, but the small cell makes a lot more sense, especially when you're in a condensed area. And if you think about it, the stadiums are really going to use MIMO because they can connect to so many devices in such a small area and they can dedicate that connection. I really see massive MIMOs making the wireless connectivity better. However, with the good comes the bad. These MIMO antennas, very heavy, very, very heavy. Something to think about is gonna be the extra weight you have to put up with, not only with the antennas, but also with the radio heads. They're working every day to make the radio heads smaller and more energy efficient, but it's still something to think about. So there you go, the antenna technology, might take a little more RF engineering, it might not. It might take less RF engineering. I believe planning might take more time on the smaller networks. But on the other hand, at the higher band, 28 gigahertz and up, at 28 gigahertz, that spectrum end up, 28 gigahertz and up, the spectrum doesn't have the greatest propagation properties. So what you're gonna wanna do is probably either engineer it lightly for a very small area to cover, or maybe not engineer at all, just put them in. That's what they do with Wi-Fi in most cases. They just put it in. You know, if they need another hotspot, they put another one in. They run more Cat5 to it or whatever. The other thing I see is they probably be running more fiber to these things. I put a lot of links in there for you guys so you can actually see, like, for 5G and new radio, the difference between new radio and the evolved LTE, things like that. Gives you an idea of what you can really learn about this stuff. So much information out there. But I'm pretty sure 28 gigahertz will be licensed, but I'm not sure how. I'm just trying to figure out how the FCC is going to handle it. And I know I always bring this up, but I'd like to see more LTE use in the 3.5, 3.65 gigahertz band. Smaller area might be used as a backhaul. I don't know. It just seems like the FCC has to release a lot more spectrum with that and come up with a new way of licensing it. Currently, I don't think anybody likes the way they've come up with a way to lightly license what they have now. And I think they want the channels to be a little larger. All right, that's it for this week. Remember, the HubbleFoundation.org and the TowerFamilyFoundation.org to help the tower climbers and their families out there. And also the Wireless Deployment Handbook, just for you. And I'm coming out with a new 5G Deployment Handbook. That'll be out here for you guys soon. Be smart, be safe, pay attention. See ya. Mm -hmm.